1: Everybody, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. I'm Tom Murch Jr. and I'm joined by Mike Murphy, who got his power back. Mike, how are we doing today?
0: I have power. Um, a branch fell on the power lines outside my apartment, and it caught fire during the blizzard. It was pretty cool. I, I, I tweeted a video about it. And I was just like, "This just can't be good." <laughs> um, and then it seemed like all the fire engines in the state of New Jersey showed up and uh yeah everything's fine um it was hilarious because we have a guest on this week and we joked with her like yeah we'll have you on so long as we all have power after the blizzard ha 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 that's of course that would (laughs) never happen and of course i feel
1: like i jinxed you with that because i was the one that like
0: you put some bad energy into the world tom i don't like i don't like the new profound powers you've discovered but um yeah i'm still i'm fine it gave me an excuse to read more of sammy joe small's book which is fine by me it's outstanding for those uh for those who are looking for a good holiday read and uh yeah we had a great show last week with Alyssa turner and feeling good and we have some really shitty news that's ranger related um that i don't know if we should just jump right into that because it happened today
1: so do we want to we want to start off with the depressing news or we want to go Yeah, with let's the... start
0: sad and then work our way to funny.
1: Okay. So the depressing sad um concerning news is regarding New York Rangers legend and I choose to refer to him that way because it's a lot easier. That's to the do right with... way to
0: do it, goddammit.
1: Yeah, cuz like that's how I was referring to him as in the what he was and what he is
0: um He remains but... a legend of the New York Rangers. Present tense.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, the, the unfortunate news is that Henrik Lundqvist will not be participating in the upcoming season, which was set to be his first with the Washington Capitals, uh, due to a heart condition. Um, he released a statement today, and he also tweeted out a video um, addressing the fans. And it's a situation where he's going to be taking some time off to process this news and what the next steps are. At the start of next season, Lundqvist would be 39, so it's hard to see a situation of him coming back, but we don't want to rule anything out if we know anything about Hank. Um, Stellar work ethic, desire to compete, to win, to, to fight, and it's just really shitty news because, like, we've talked about it offline, about how it's really inspiring to see him like looking happy on social media and whether it's him sharing stuff or the Washington capitals sharing him in practice or all of these different things. It's like, man, it's, we're going to get a, you know, a fuck you, Henrik Lundqvist season where he's like, Oh, you guys thought it was done. Nope. I ain't done at all. But now we're not going to have that.
0: Yeah. like, Like the first thought I had was like that, that meme of not like this, not like this for, You know, Henrik not playing for another team. It is just such a draining thing to hear that, you know, he wants to be there, he wants to play, and he has a heart condition. So, you know, this is someone with, you know, who has a family. And as, like you said, don't rule anything out for Henrik in terms of maybe coming back uh, next season, but because this is a guy who, you know, he could play with a Wolverine mauling him and he would still be one of the greatest goaltenders of all time but this is just so shitty right i hate when you have stories like this and you see when the decision is taken out of your hands um and that's what happens in something like this and you know as much as we say you know oh sports is business bop 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 you know these are people this sucks for henrik lundquist this sucks for his family um above all else we're rooting for him we hope he has all the good health in the world and Um, We've talked over and over again about the impact he's had on the city of New York, the community of New York Rangers fans, on us personally. Um, I wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he recovers. And uh, I don't believe, it doesn't feel good to say Tom, but I hope he gets to play for the Capitals. um, Because that would be a good ending to this unfortunate first chapter of his time in in Washington. Um, It feels like he deserves a better ending than this.
1: Oh yeah, he certainly does. And we obviously, we went through this when we, we were talking about him leaving the team and and the buyout and the whole, how it was an unfortunate situation, but it was somewhat palatable when you understood that this was giving Hank the chance that he wanted. This was giving him an opportunity to do something he wanted to do, and it was something that yeah, it sucks. It looks weird. Uh, I know that Devils fans like look at you know Berter and those few games he played with the Blues is weird. There's yeah. other examples of just these legendary players who they put on a different uniform. Uh, it's more prevalent in other sports because they have. A free agency system that allows them to actually get paid lots of money, where it's there's an incentive for them to, to to move on. But yeah, it's it's just really shitty news, especially with it getting closer to when we thought the season was going to start and training camp and all of that. Um, but best wishes to Hank, obviously, and whatever is next for him. It's uh, it's just sad. Because, like we've said, this was an opportunity for him, and now, like so many other things, something just taken away from him. Yeah. I, again, it is.
0: It is what it is. Like the human being part of this reminds you to keep shit in perspective. Um, and, you know, it was very good to see the Rangers had a, a good response to this, and obviously, Rangers fans everywhere are just feel. Like, you know, it's taking a big bite out of a shit sandwich, right? It's like, oh, this is just not not what we want to see. Um, But yeah, again, nothing but good health for Hank and for everyone, for that matter, moving forward. Um, uh, The other thing, uh, you know, to make a horrible, horrible transition is uh, we're hearing more and more that players are coming back from Europe and getting stateside. We heard, uh, I think it was Brooksy who reported, like, to kind of start the stampede that, uh, came back. So, um, apparently Tom, we might have a Canadian, the Canadian division in the States. I don't know. All I do know is that it still seems like January 13th is full steam ahead, which is just bonkers to me, but um, yeah, that's where we are right now is everyone is just kind of pedal to the metal. And, um, you know, it's, it's really weird to think, Tom. We're, we're now less than a month away from maybe things getting rolling and uh, these weird divisions and, you know, our, NHL might be selling the naming rights to the divisions apparently. So all sorts of crazy shit going on. Um,
1: ads on helmets?
0: Ads on helmets? I'm fine with it, by the way. Oh, yeah. I,
1: it, I love that.
0: Keep it off the jersey. But even then,
1: I don't really care.
0: The jerseys you sell to fans, keep them... Pure, but like I'm sure it's harder for a fan base like the Rangers fan, like when everything the Rangers do is all about like ah tradition, prestige, class. So like you don't want a goddamn like fucking IHOP logo <laughs> underneath the Rangers crest. But yeah, I get it. Um, I it's it's so much. I, I cannot believe it's still full steam ahead, and that's that's not even taking into consideration like hey are we sure it's safe and all that shit um and like how the nhl's privately securing vaccines and all that stuff that's that's great stuff uh that's the healthcare system in this country working great for everyone um but more importantly it's to me is the how this is just going to get up and running and how evident it is that this is just really just about the ownership and the pa being like we just need to fucking Grab whatever money we can after the pinata has been smashed, um, because it's it's getting to the point where they're realizing we just can't afford to have two years of these devastating losses in income. So, um, it I'm not saying that means they're throwing caution to the wind, but caution's being thrown somewhere. Tom.
1: Yeah, caution is being vaguely gestured from one side of the room to the other. It's yeah, caution's you know...
0: moving about, floating somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's um again, like we say and it's it's almost like a broken record. We'll see it when we see it. And it I just think I tweeted this too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um it would be so NHL for them to talk up this whole oh, we're going to have a Canadian all Canadian division and fans get excited about it and that to go up in a ball of smoke and then (laughs) them have to play in in america and then that would be the year that a canadian team finally wins the stanley cup again oh my god wouldn't it be great (laughs) oh it would be hilarious and i would love it so much yeah and maybe oh serve it to me with a stack of pancakes i want it sponsored by ihop and and like what would what would the thing be then like oh i guess the the pressure of not playing in Canada um, helped. And, like, I don't say that jokingly. I I think it was, yeah, it was, um, Brian Burke was recently on uh, Steve Dangle's podcast, and he was talking about how when he was, uh, because he was was obviously GM of the Leafs. He was also, I think, president of hockey operations uh, for Calgary, and then he was also with the Canucks. And he spoke mostly to his time with the Leafs uh, it being you know a Leafs centric podcast and how as GM and there were times like he would just encounter these players that did not want to play in Toronto and he used examples of uh, like he had Francois Beauchemin when he was with the Ducks was a great defenseman for him tried to bring him to the Leafs and he was just terrible he goes to Montreal and he's a completely different player and um, uh, So yeah, just a little tidbit there, not like, you know, trying to, you know, crap too hard on on Canada, Um, but it would just be like one of those things that, oh man, they haven't won since 1993, and then they all play in the US, and then they finally win, like coincidence, maybe, I don't know, hashtag small sample size.
0: I just just want it because it's the sort of good chaos we need in a horrible chaotic year. It's the sort of thing that makes you just laugh because it's a little delicious irony that doesn't involve, I don't know, people dying. That. Uh, oh,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, a little ranger's tangential thing, Tom, is apparently Anthony Duclair might be a Florida Panther.
1: Yeah, and it looks like it's a great deal, too. Um, I think it was, what, one year, one and a half million?
0: Yeah, and he was representing himself, which is why... I think it was like a month ago, I, I tweeted out, like, can someone explain to me why Duclair still not signed? And people, everyone kind of rushed into into my mentions to say, well, he's representing himself, so he's shooting himself in the foot. And I was like, I... I mean, you don't have to be Drew Doughty to fucking represent yourself as a player, right? Like, if you want to goddamn represent yourself, it's fine. Um, yeah, although in why Doughty... Why that would scare some teams away is... is mind-boggling to me, given what he did in Ottawa. If you can score goals for the Ottawa Senators, you're a very good player.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Declare has played pretty well, and it was surprising to see him unsigned because you would think that with there being, um, you know, financial suppression with the salary cap and everything going on with COVID, that he's just that – he's in that bucket where – he can get something on a one-year deal that he would be able to maybe step into a team that is more of an established situation and be that uh, second-line guy or maybe even a third-line guy. But oh, good for him. Um, and you know, like I mentioned, he's representing himself and no risk on a one-year deal. And whereas like Dowdy, like I think the way his contract is structured, like he got the AAV he wanted, but there, I don't believe he has signing bonuses in it, which kind of doesn't prevent uh the kings from eventually buying him out but you know yeah he's got bigger things to worry about i guess yeah if the rangers didn't have the the
0: you know the winger situation they currently had i was all on board for a declare reunion but i know i'm in the minority on that one but i think he's a fun player um he's also one of those guys who was a ufa because ottawa said they weren't going to qualify him um that it's like, why is a guy this young, who's this productive, and he's a UFA? Seemed a little sketchy. Um, but yeah, uh, some other Rangers-related news, Tom. Re- it revolves around, I thought your tweet was very underrated, by the way. It got no love. <laughs> like, what the I, fuck? Like It made it me laugh tr- out loud. This is a It man was who only knows 8, 8 o'clock, guarantees. too. Yeah, this is a man who knows all about guarantees. I was like, well... That's what you call hitting the nail right on the noggin. Little Tommy with a goddamn grand slam. Um, yeah, that was fucking hilarious. Mark Messier is uh, suing a cannabis company for half a million dollars because um, they asked him to be an investor, and they said, uh, we guarantee you'll make your money back tenfold, or whatever the hell they said. And that company went, you know, Ass over tea kettles, goddamn disaster, tire fire. I love that it's, phrase. And so now he's uh, he's suing them for what his initial investment was, which seems pretty fair to me. Um, but it is delightful um, to see. I mean, it sucks for Messier, obviously, uh, to be down five hundred k, and then of course the, the legal fees. You have to wonder how much of that he's going to actually recoup here. But um, you know, I think he'll be okay. But the yeah, I hope the, so. The the bigger thing to me here is just, you know, Mark Messier against the cannabis company is a is a headline I think we all needed in our life. <laughs>
1: like, seriously though, like I get it and you know, I mean I'm I don't know, I would call myself like, you know, somewhat of an uh like intermediate investor when it when it comes to stocks. But like, come on, bro, like seriously, like if anyone ever tells you, I personally guarantee you won't lose money like, that, that's a red flag right there because anyone that knows anything about investing is there's always the opportunity to lose money because that's just the nature of, of business. Like, it doesn't have to be a stock. It can just be any company. Like, you think about, like, just like this one in a million. Well, not one in a million, but like this situation of COVID-19 and, and everything that it did to um, industries. Like, no one is going to... Predict that to happen, and you look at all these companies that might go out of business. Like AMC is one of the largest or the largest uh, movie chain in in you know the world, and like they are going to run out of money, and, and they may never reopen. Like I ideally, like you'd probably see them get bought out by someone and then reopen. But still, so in this case, he's buying four hundred thousand shares at a buck twenty five a share, um, because he. Got a guarantee. Mr. Guarantee wasn't going to lose money. And um, it's just so dumb. And I get Messier's point that he feels that in this case, they were using the cachet of Mark Messier to um, like trading on his name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get people, um, you know, to to invest in it. And the funny thing is, like, in his filing, like, he talked about himself as, like, one of the most famous celebrities in New York, which I kind of yeah, got a, kick, a kick, kick out of. Um, like, yeah, yeah, it you're... reminds
0: me of the, the Marc Messier Leadership Award. <laughs> of the, of... <laughs> I, Marc Messier, am going to hand you the Marc Messier Leadership Award. Okay. You okay there, mess? You gotta—is there anything you want to tell us about, like in terms of how many like satellites are in orbit around that head of yours? In terms of your ego, but yeah, um,
1: it reminds me of uh, the the Fairly Odd Parents. Says, "I'm Doug Dimidone, Order of the Dimsdale Dimadone." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. I feel like the headline for this should have been Mark Messier aims high with the uh, cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been the right way to approach this. Or Mark Matthews aims high, misses with, with big cannabis investment.
1: He doesn't um, have, like, luck. Like, because this is, like, another situation where, like, he's getting screwed out of money. Like, it was this, and then there was the thing with the Canucks, and, like, I think, like, performance bonuses or whatever that he, I think he did eventually get. But, like, ugh, come on, mess. Like, you got to be getting better financial advice. Yeah, come on, mess come on baby you're a mess
0: <laughs> he is a goddamn mess um, yeah i don't know it, it's it's the sort of headline we need to help us digest something like the henrik lundquist news right
1: um oh yeah seriously it's
0: it's a uh, it's one of those like oh wow you know you hear about um like you hear about like everyone you ever talk to i'm sure every rangers fan has a story like this everyone who's ever interacted with adam graves comes away with this is might be the best human being i know adam graves is just goes above and beyond he's a tremendous philanthropist he's such a good decent human being and you hear all these stories about players like when you know they're off the ice they kind of get humanized a little bit and you get to better understand who they are and um, a headline like this for messier is just like uh, it's peak 2020 for me it's just it doesn't get much better than this. Um, again, I hope he gets everything that's like. I hope justice is served and he gets. What, oh yeah, seriously. What is like, due to yeah. him, and I don't mean to laugh at, at anyone's misfortune, but this was something that is obviously comical for for a litany of reasons. Um, yeah. Funny things, yeah. Tom. Funny things.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to really think if there's anything else that, like, major that went on this week it's i just... mean there's
0: all the the world juniors stuff uh barard um you know we can make mention of that stuff but i feel like we'll have a show we plan on having adam on uh eventually where we can kind of touch on all of that and who the hell knows with world juniors at this stage because uh, you want to talk about a goddamn tire fire um that's a whole other can of worms that things seem to be very much pear-shaped uh, in terms of whether or not things are being done the right way there at least in my opinion but uh yeah it's it's still i mean we can make every show the prospect show because those are the only active hockey players we can talk about but um i figure we can save some of that stuff for when we have adam on in the near future because for those who don't know adam just published a lot of his prospect stuff that is an annual uh uh, highlight of blue Shirt banner's content so his prospect rankings and he works down all the the rangers prospects and kind of updates us on where they are um but yeah it's fun it's a fun time of year because maybe you know we're in the middle of december tom but we're talking about <laughs> how we might have hockey soon and um adam's prospect stuff came in the middle of december because everything's going smoothly this year
1: you know what also is fun what's that Our upcoming interview with uh, Marissa, which you will hear uh, after the break. So we will uh, be right back with Marissa, and uh, we hope you enjoy it.
0: From the break with our special guests, Marissa and Jemmy. Hi, Marissa. How you doing?
2: I am great. How are you guys?
0: Doing good. We're really excited to have you on the show this week. I have known you for half a decade now, I think, from working in the NWHL women's hockey space, and I put you up there in this category of I don't know how hard how these people can work so hard with you and Erica Ayala, you know, people who are just hustling constantly, doing everything and elevating women's sports at every opportunity they get. So um, if you don't follow Marissa on Twitter, you're fucking up. Uh, She does all sorts of things, covering all sorts of sports, lacrosse. Uh, She just had a great story today on Sarah Fuller. Go up at the Times and um, goodness gracious, what have you been up to during this whole we're trapped inside and we also just got a blizzard dumped on us?
2: Oh my god, first of all, just like being in the same conversation as Erica, like is making my heart jump because she's amazing. Um, But yeah, I've just been like freelancing a lot. So today my story in the New York Times, I had my story in Vice yesterday, I have a couple of more things coming out in the coming days and weeks and some hockey stuff finally about to happen soon, which like I'm very excited and really impatient to announce. Um, So yeah, just kind of like Trying to do as much as I possibly can, and uh, yeah, big blizzard today, so uh, not going out for a little bit. It seems like
0: yeah, not much of a change for for us in the Northeast with being stuck inside. But now we're stuck inside and cold, which is just uh, just beautiful. It's perfect 2020 vibes. Um, um, as you mentioned, reeling off all the things you're doing, you're someone who does a lot of stuff um, in terms of freelancing, and uh, of course, you were on the boston bruins beat before someone fucked up as I, as i like to put it and uh <laughs> decided to go a different way um but you're someone we wanted to bring on to talk not just about uh women's hockey which we'll get to but also there's an nhl season apparently happening players from europe are coming back and a very weird thing in this is that it's very likely the bruins and the rangers which people have been trying to convince us this is a rivalry those of us who are not 50 to 60 to 70 years old, um, you know, cause it's Boston and New York and the sports space, but this has never been a rivalry to me. Um, but we might, these teams might be in the same division again. It's kind of weird.
2: I mean, yeah, it'll be cool. Cause like you said, uh, it, it real like to me, it has never felt like a rivalry. Like they, like when the Rangers were really good, the Bruins weren't at that level. And, like they don't really have much of a playoff history in recent memory, so there's really to me there's a disconnect there. But like you said, some of the uh, older folks are into it. Like my dad is super excited. Like he's like, Oh, I can't believe the Bruins and the Rangers are in the same division and I'm like, Okay, I guess that's <laughs> fine. Um, so
0: My I- oldest brothers are that way. They're like, This is great And I'm like, Really? It's- I mean, I mean, I know the Wednesday night rivalry tries to tell the tell us this is a rivalry, but I don't Wednesday
2: really a rivalry will tell you like the Dallas Stars and Ottawa Senators are rivals. So, um, <laughs> it will, they're right? Like, yeah, these teams hate each other, and I'm like, they probably don't think about each other. Um,
0: three years ago, they had a game with three Fighting Majors in it. Oh my goodness, yeah
2: well it's like how they tried to frame the stars and the bruins as rivals because like in 2007 there was like some big brawl with steve ott as if he wasn't like brawling with everyone yeah um, that was special and they were like oh they seem hate each other it's always wild and it's like no like this happened one time
0: yeah it's it's always just forced and it just uh i mean god bless them they're trying but um, you can't really fabricate rivalries when teams play each other just a handful of times a year, which makes this really interesting. Because I, I would imagine we're going to see these teams play a ton against the other teams that are sharing a division with them. And you and I were talking before the show, and you were telling me like you're just excited to get to see, you know, Panarin play a whole bunch. And I said, yeah, I'm excited to see Pasternak because I don't have a lot of good reasons to watch Bruins games except for when the Rangers are playing them.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, like, I mean, I'll be following the Bruins more than other teams because I'm from here and I'm used to that. Um, So it'll be cool to see some team. like, we we have Buffalo, Toronto, Ottawa fatigue at this point here, I feel like. So it'll be kind of cool to see, like, how they just match up against the Rangers a bunch or the Islanders a bunch. And yeah, like, I love watching Panarin play. He's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. I remember... um, I guess it must have been a year ago, 2019 or whatever, when the Bruins were at MSG and I was at the game and I was just like so hyped to like see a pair and in person play because like it doesn't happen so much. Um, yeah, so like I, it's it's always cool when you get to see teams you don't see so often and for the most part um, in past seasons that's been like when the team you follow or cover or whatever is like on the West Coast and you get to see them um, a bunch more. But now getting to see these teams like. They teams they don't play so often all the time, Is it's definitely going to make it um, like it, it adds that extra element of intrigue I
0: think I agree I, I am at the stage where I want hockey to be safe if we bring it back, like I want to preface everything I say with that but we could be playing, like teams could play one team for ten, 10 games and I'd still be like hey it's, it's hockey but it is fun to have this kind of added element where we're going to see these teams that really tested against each other and the Rangers are a team kind of on the rise and the Bruins are a team, something I wanted to ask you about. Obviously they've been a team that just goes deep in the playoffs all the time lately um, and a really strong team, but they lose Tory Krug and in free agency and they are linked to Oliver Ekman Larson forever. Right. And that doesn't happen. And I'm wondering what do you feel about the Bruins heading into this, Fifty-six game or whatever the hell it's going to be season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have my questions, especially on defense, because like you lose Krug and that hurts the depth overall. I feel like Matt Grislik can kind of fill that spot a little bit. At least he has like a power play quarterback and he can move the puck down to the ice, and he's not going to be Krug, but you still have a guy who can do that at a pretty high level. So, like, okay, fine, and I like the idea of pairing him with McAvoy. I think that's a really good pairing. But then you just lose all sorts of depth, because even, like, assuming Chara does come back, so you have him, you have Brandon Carlo, and then what? Like, I assume Connor Clifton's going to be in there, and then do you give Jacob another look, uh, or Jeremy Lauzon, who kind of came on a little bit at the end, but one of the big issues with this Bruins team in general is it's tough for some of the younger guys to get consistency sometimes, because they switch things around so much, and Anders Bjork at forward has kind of been a victim of that. I feel like DeBrusk has lacked some consistency because of that. Um, So that's going to be tough. Like, you commit to Lauzon and how much of a leash do you give him, especially in a condensed season? And then, of course, you have, like, John Moore on the books, but he has... Oh, my God. Yeah, former
0: Ranger John Moore. He's shown
2: nothing. I I mean, like, he's good on the penalty kill and that's awesome and all, but the Bruins are a team of penalty killers. Like, that's their whole makeup. Um, So, like, I I don't see Moore as a long-term solution there. I I would rather see Lauzon get a chance, but then you have to be consistent. And even then, like, whoever they put in there... and again, this is assuming Charra signs, and I think he will. I think he's waiting out to see uh, what's going to... I think either like his agent or someone tweeted out already. Like He's waiting to see uh, what it's going to look like. And then he'll sign. I don't think they really had too much of a risk of losing him. Um, but yeah, it, it gets pretty thin pretty quick after Carlo. Like, I like Clifton, but I mean he's a guy you have to hide some of his tendencies because he gets very erratic too. So. Especially on defense, just losing that depth of having an elite defenseman in Krug and you having just like a really solid top four or five to all of a sudden like some question marks and not really addressing a lot of that. Like, that's a concern for me.
1: You brought up Zidane Ochara, and I have one question. It's not so much about the rumor that's out there uh, regarding him and the Rangers of being a potential thing, Um, but if it were. To be true, as someone who's watched the Bruins quite closely, um, at this stage of his career, what would he potentially offer the Rangers if they were to sign him?
2: I'm honestly not sure how productive he can be outside of the Bruins environment. Like one of the reasons it works here is like he has the ear of the locker room. He's a captain. They really like they look up to him. He fills that role really well, and I think he complements the lineup they have. Like if he is to come back, which I'm assuming he is. I like the idea of pairing him with Clifton and kind of using him in that role. Um, so like but at the same time, his game has definitely declined the past few years. Like he's lost his step. He really needs like an energetic type of um defense pairing. Um so like McAvoy's been with him and he's just like elite. But I think McAvoy can succeed a lot more if he has some more um speed with him someone who can move the puck down ice a little more like grizzly like i think if Char comes back you still have to come back with grizzly um and i imagine they will so as far as like what he can bring to another team i'm really not sure because that's an adjustment to make on top of like i don't know if his game's going to take another step back especially because like all the pauses and stuff like how does that affect an older player and he's in such tremendous shape like You can't say that he's not, like, a starting NHL defenseman. He should be in there for any team that has him. Like, he's a guy in the lineup. But as far as, like, a top-pairing guy anymore, I struggle to say he's that guy. But, I mean, you look at a lot of analytics, too. And, like, when he's on the ice, good things happen for the most part. So, um, like, he still has a role to play. I'm not sure he's seeing, like, eating as many minutes, like, 20 minutes a game. Like, he has been with the Bruins as much. I don't know if he can do that anymore. Um, I don't think they should force that anymore, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it really depends like what kind of pairing or situation they would put him in if he were to go to a Rangers team. But also again, like I I find that extremely
0: far-fetched. Kind of interesting to me that the Rangers and the Bruins find themselves in a position in terms of their defense that most teams almost never find themselves in, which is they're really deep down the right side and not very deep on the left side. It's supposed to be, it's hard to find guys to play the right side, especially in the top four. Um, and that's not the situation the Rangers find themselves in, or the Bruins. And that's kind of a crazy thing to me, especially because these are two teams at very different kind of stages in terms of their ultra-competitiveness. Like, the Rangers are on the rise. Maybe they're a playoff team, more likely a fringe playoff team. Who the heck knows? It kind of depends on how good uh, Lafreniere is. But the Bruins are expected to still be very much the Bruins. I mean, Bergeron's 35 now. Um, and obviously Chara is, you know, 73 years old. But they're, it's interesting that these teams find themselves in this these two positions. I was wondering, do you feel like this Bruins team is going to be able to kind of retool um, and move forward with the defense they have? Um, I know you've already expressed some of the concerns, but the big question I have is just how much longer are we going to see the, the Bergeron line? which for those who don't know is Marchand, Bergeron and Pasternak is probably the best line in all of hockey. How much longer is it going to be a line at this level? I should ask.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of that to me is dependent on a Bergeron and he has the chronic groin thing where he's still getting like the cortisone shots or whatever it is uh, before every season. And like, at some point that's just going to crap out on him. Like that, like I don't imagine that happening soon, but like it could, I don't know. So um i don't think march slowing down i think he's only getting better somehow and pastor next what 23 24 like he's only gonna keep getting better and last year he almost got to 50 goals and he would have if the end of the world didn't happen so um he's definitely he- he's gonna be a guy who's gonna score 50 goals multiple times in his career like assuming that we don't have any weirdness again um so like those guys are fine. To me, when I look at De Bruins' forward depth, my concern So that going into his contract here, and I feel like they've criminally underrated him and held him back a bit. Um, so I don't know like, what's in their plan for him. I, I would say like, try your best to retain him. I'm not sure everyone agrees because we have Bruins should trade Krejci rumors every year. Um, you have DeBrusque on his left side who, like, last year I thought was going to take a leap, and he didn't. And, like, I don't know if I believe he will this year. I think there needs to be some consistency there. They're going to give Andre Kashi a try. I really liked that trade at the time. And he he hasn't scored since he became a Bruin, but he also, like, he was coming back from a concussion and being sick and then, again, the end of the world. And then in the playoffs, like, he had some chances. So, like, if they can get that line and stay consistent, that's, like, a really strong second line. And then you go to the third, Charlie Coyle in the middle is great. You um, have Anders Bjork there, and then um, uh, Craig Smith. who They just signed Nashville. I think like Craig Smith is the most Bruinsy Bruins player who was never on the Bruins before. <laughs> In second place on that is Mike Hoffman, and who knows, like they might make a move for him too. Yeah,
0: he's um, still out there.
2: Yeah, I mean he's been connected to the Bruins, and I do think they need to make like another signing at some point. I, I mean, on defense, I just don't think there's a guy there that's going to help at this point. I would have liked to have seen a defensive move, but. Seems like no. So I'm, I'm chill with Hoffman if they can find a role for him too. Um, especially like for backup for Kashi. Because I feel like something the Bruins have done in past years where they've made mistakes before as they go into the season assuming like, oh, one of these young guys is going to step up. And just like not having a backup plan. It happened two years ago where like, oh, we'll have a third line center be like Stanika or Frederick or um, uh, Jakob or Baka Carlson who's back in uh, Sweden, I think. And, and then, like, they ended up trying to put Sean Corrales there, and, like, he's better on the fourth line. And, like, it just became a mess because they didn't have the backup plans. And then they try to panic later, and they're like, oh, let's go get Nick Ritchie. That's a good idea. Um, and give up Danton Heinen for some reason. Um, so, like, there's a ton of questions long term, and a lot of that starts with what, what's going to happen with Krejci. Um, Is he a guy you try to trade to get some value for? Do you go for it with him? Do you try to keep him? I would try to keep him. Um, especially since they're going to have Kashi for a little bit here. Um, they have Coil locked up. I think they'd like for him to become the second line center at some point, whether that's Krejci leaving, whether that's Bergeron or whatever. Um, like, you can see the pieces there, but one of their problems, too, is their farm system is just, like, so bleak. Like, they have some guys, but they're all, like, a further, far away, other than Stadnika, and they're trying to move him to the wing, too, and stuff, and not giving him consistent time at center, so like long way of answering like I don't totally know what's happening long term I think this year they'll be fine um maybe expectations should be a little lower because the defense kind of scares me and I'm worried about their depth overall but like in the long term there's some questions that just like we don't know about right now
0: so I want to one more Bruins question I wanted to ask you and it's kind of it's a good tangent because this is another guy who's in the final year of his contract is. I legitimately don't know from the outside looking in um, why Tuukka Rask seems to be a guy who gets, you know, he's the the scapegoat for the Bruins whenever whenever anything seems to go pear-shaped. It seems to be Tuukka Rask's fault. And looking at what he's done throughout his career and looking at, you know, how hard it is to be an elite goalie for as long as he has been. It's uh, uncomfortably similar, I should say, to uh, some of the criticisms that Henrik Lundqvist faced before um, he left the Rangers as a result of a buyout. What are your thoughts on the I don't know how to put it, like, the over-criticisms of Tuukka Rask in, in
2: People Boston. here are just weird and mean. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's been...
0: That's a good, it's a good way to sum it up, right? Yeah. I, I don't know are just like, what shitty.
2: the deal is. Everyone's mad at him all the time, and he's fine. And He also, like, holds himself accountable pretty well, and when he doesn't have a good game, he's the first to say it. Um, I just think that he's very visible, um, and a lot of people just, like, don't know how hockey works, so when a goal happens, you're like, well, that's the goalie. That's his job. And then, like, it becomes a thing. Also, like, having a central polarized figure to target is a lot easier than doing, like, actual analysis. So uh, that's a part of it, too. Like, if you just, like, are lazy or don't feel like doing anything, you can be like, yeah, well, the goalie, they gave up four goals. Without, like, understanding, well, two of them were on penalty kills and, and another was a defensive breakdown and the other one, like, stuff just happens. But people can't critically think. That's, like, the only answer I can come up with, honestly.
0: Yeah, that seems super similar to criticisms that Lundqvist has faced Um, is the why is it the case? Well, people are kind of shitty and it's very easy to make the goalie the scapegoat because it's the most integral position to the outcome of the game is what happens with the goalie. And like you said, sometimes the penalty kill sucks or sometimes someone blows an assignment in the defensive zone and then the puck's in the back of the net. And it's easy to say, oh, look, Tuca messed up. But it's not always the case, yeah. And,
2: like, sometimes he does give up bad goals because he's a human being, but he's also one of the best goalies in the league and one of the best goalies in Bruins franchise history, like, statistically. So, like, I don't know. People need stuff to be mad about, especially when you have a good team. But there's, like, legitimate stuff to be mad about, like, trading Danton Heinen, but that might be, like, too inside hockey for some people. I don't know.
0: A little bit, maybe. Do you think there's a next chapter after this contract for Tuca and Boston?
2: No, because like, he's been hinting for a little bit, leaving hockey like a little earlier or just like after the contract, he doesn't know what's going to happen. I remember like a scrum two years ago now where everyone like lost their minds because he wouldn't commit to like after his contract. And then it resurfaced last year. Like, oh, my God. And I was like, I thought we already like went over this. Um, My unofficial opinion based on nothing other than like everything I just said is I think that if Tuca continues playing hockey after this in the United States in the NHL it will be with the Bruins. I don't think he goes to another NHL team. I think if he's going to not retire, he'll be here. But who like in the end who's to say, I don't know.
0: Yeah, especially after this past off season where all these goalies who had been in one place for forever, they all moved around like a game of musical chairs. It was bizarre. But I just don't
2: think he wants to like relocate or deal with any of that, honestly. So like I would imagine Don't he stays him. here, but like we have a whole other season for people to just yell at him about nothing, so who knows. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, just, just what the doctor ordered. Um, I wanted to change gears because, uh, as our listeners know, we're also on the verge of an NWHL bubble. And Marissa is someone who has been uh, the play-by-play of the Boston Pride, but also someone who covers a ton of women's hockey um, and is always made a point of covering the game and doing a great job of uh, doing all of that. Um, This is such a fascinating season to me because the comparison I gave to this uh, when we had Alyssa Turner on last week, um, when we weren't cracking up, was this feels so much just like an IIHF Worlds or an Olympics, right? Where it's this round robin, you play everyone, all right, we're all warmed up and now we're into the games that matter. And although I still don't really know what the hell that middle group of the structure is like the seeding stage. I think it's still up in the air um, about what's going to happen after the regular season before the quote unquote playoffs. But uh, I was wondering, I mean the Boston pride were the most successful team in sports probably last year. And you know, they they lose Lexi Bender, but they add a whole bunch of good rookies because why not? Is this just the Boston prides to lose?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, everyone I've talked to, like, since May on that team, like, they're in total revenge mode. Uh, I can't see them not coming into the year super fired up. And I also think something that's going to be huge when you have, like, these condensed schedules is teams that have goalie tandems, I think, are going to be more successful. And they have, like, a pretty good one between Solander and Hansen. So I think that's their benefit. Um, I think Metro like is gonna make some noise, and I think Minnesota is like they're great, and then they got Bowie too now, so like they're gonna be awesome. Um, but like I've been telling everyone, when you have a format like this, and the NWHL has never had like this amount of talent into a condensed schedule like this before, it's kind of like all bets are off. Like who knows who's gonna respond to that well? But I do believe. I mean, one thing that stood out about Pride last year is they could be in a close game at the end of the second period, like two to one. And they would always pull away because they had so much depth. They had their legs later in the game because they could just roll out three lines consistently and do a great job. So I think that teams like that that just have a lot of depth, um, are like the Pride, like the Riveters, like the Whitecaps, are going to have success late in games. And I think that looks a lot like how the Pride did last year to an extent. So um long way of saying like it's going to be wacky and there's going to be some stuff I don't think we can ever expect. But I think the good teams are going to do what the good teams do
1: so last week we had Alyssa turner on the show and i asked her this question and i want to ask you as well um just for some perspective so with the the format of of the bubble um odds are you could maybe see that you're going to have some people who might have not tuned in before watching it so for the, the Boston Pride, is there a player or two players or maybe a storyline that someone who isn't up on everything to do with the NWHL should look for or some, going in like, okay, I'm going to focus on this player, this storyline, et cetera?
2: Um, I think any hockey fans that are new to the Boston Pride, for example, like, they're going to love how McKenna Brand plays and they're going to just love her scoring ability. Like if you're a Bruins fan and you're tuning into the pride for the first time, it's like, you have another David Pasternak now. Like you just have an amazing goal scorer. You get to watch play every game and it's so much fun. And she's my favorite hockey player to watch the past two years. Um, And then like, again, like if you're coming in not knowing anything like the way Solander plays is just absolutely incredible. And I think, Yeah, I just think anyone who truly appreciates hockey and appreciates goaltending would just love to watch her. Like going back to her college days, she just always was incredible. Like I I felt so lucky that she came to Boston because I was like, cool, I get to see her all the time now. Um, I I just think from a league perspective, I think people will love to see the pace of play. And one thing that interests me so much is like what that pace and intensity again looks like in an intense schedule. Does it slow down as players lose their legs, or does it amp up because you get adrenaline is so much? So. I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow in general, but for anyone who has not watched the league or has watched in a limited capacity is looking to get into it. Like I think everyone, I mean, everyone I know who's watched the NWHL for the first time became a fan for life. So I don't think that's a good
0: point about the depth and also the, the goalie tandem in Boston, people kind of sleep on how good Hanson is. She is really damn good to the point where she might even be like the third or fourth best goalie in the league. I, I would I would put Salander and then Lev And then after that, I think you have to make you can make a really strong case for Hanson, of course, especially
2: since she's a BU girl too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Boston just has her like to have a goalie of that caliber in your pocket as your your backup is just bonkers. But that's kind of what the pride are all about—is that depth. Like you said, you know Emily Fluke just signed in Toronto, and so you say, oh, you know Boston lost something there, and uh, Wolfiler is in Connecticut, I think, and now. You're like, oh, maybe Boston won't have that third line, but then you look at all the other pieces they added, like the quality of players they they brought in. Uh, I, th- I think it's that trio from UNH they have, and it's like, oh crap! It just they're just re-gearing. they're just moving forward. It just, and of course you have Teresa Vanisova um, you know, a Czech national player joining the fold. It's it's really staggering to think that Boston, even with you know the turnover they had. It's very much when I talked to Jillian Dempsey for for TIG, you know, you said that they all are hungry for revenge. They all have this unfinished business mentality. So I do not want to be the team that's playing Boston in the first game of the season because I have a feeling they're going to come out just ripping through the opposition until everyone gets a little tired because the other thing that's really worth mentioning here is the NWHL schedules have been like a weekend thing. It's like the NFL football season for those who don't know. And now we're going to have a much more congested season uh, because of the nature of the bubble. It's it's not a marathon. It's a sprint. It's a two-week, just everyone's going as hard as they can and trying to get up to gear. And, you know, there's, as far as we know, there's no preseason or exhibition. And it's crazy to think that it's coming very soon, just like it's crazy to think the NHL season might be coming pretty soon. We're, like, a month away from both of those things happening, which is just absolutely crazy to me.
2: It's, like, wild and happening at the same time because, like, we have no hockey going on right now. And now you're going to, like, both of it at us. Like, okay, I guess. Um, but to your point about, like, the pride depth, who is the rookies they have, like, Sammy Davis is someone who, like, can come in and be a leading scorer, like, right off the bat. She's yeah. that good. She's insane. She's the fastest player I've ever seen in person. And I saw her a lot at BU. Um, And like she had a hip surgery And she came back like stronger than ever Still, Um, But I think like Maybe because of Davis's presence Like McGarry McManus is being overlooked She can be really scary Like she was awesome at UNH And I can really see her having a big year
0: Yeah that's the thing with Boston Is all these three people Oh yeah they also got the first overall pick in the draft And Sammy Davis and uh, Because they made the trade they made with Toronto It's like oh yeah they're just They're going to keep being the Boston pride But what's fun to me um, you mentioned Metro and Minnesota. Like, the only team that has me a little nervous or had me a little nervous was Buffalo because I was like, oh, they might not have enough scoring and then they just re-signed Brooke Stacey. Um, And it's like, oh, well, this is awesome because every team looks better than they were last year. I think the only asterisk to that, I think, is Minnesota because they lose Nicole Shamel and uh, that's just a very big hole to fill. And, you know, they're a team that I always am interested, especially for a format like this, because they're the oldest team in the league. And I think having young legs might help, but, um, definitely if you haven't put the NWHL on your radar and you call yourself a hockey fan, give it a try. It's hockey. It's very good hockey. Um, but yeah, Tom, did you have any other questions from Marissa while we have her?
1: No, I think she covered a lot of ground and you did a lot of, uh, good talking there, Mike. Uh, you let me just sort a of A lot sit of good back. talking there. Let me sit back and enjoy.
0: Yeah, Marissa, we want every. So, what's your Twitter? Make people follow you. I'm tired of this.
2: <laughs> uh, my Twitter at Marissa underscore N'Jemmy one R, one S. Don't spell it wrong. I get upset. Um, <laughs> I just eat a lot of stuff all the time, so if you do follow me, I'm sorry, but sometimes you get rewarded with, like, a story or something. It's more, like, breaking news, so I think it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Give Marissa a follow. She does great work covering uh, NHL, women's hockey, all sorts of things. Um, as we mentioned, you just had a couple of stories, like you said, on Vice and the Times and your big fancy pants and you're kicking ass and taking names. And we love to see it. Thank you. So, again, thanks to Marissa. Follow her on Twitter. And thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: And just like that, uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, the just interview like that, where Mike did of uh, pretty much all of the, all of the talking, and uh, he he did a really good job. Just to let me sit back and um, you know listen to the interesting things she had to say. Um, I thought it was I thought it was good, Mike. What about you?
0: I thought it was great, Melissa. Uh, Melissa Marissa is someone who works her tail off. Um, really, really good at what she does. Um, I mean she's one of those people who to me is like she just digs for the story you know she develops sources she does everything the right way it boggles my mind that she doesn't have you know a position at a, at a major publication especially in a sports nutty city like boston someone should get on that uh, right away and hire her because she's outstanding at what she does um but yeah it, it was great to have her on talk a little bit about the bruins it still, it still feels so weird to me. The Bruins and the Rangers are going to be in the same goddamn division. Like, I know, like, the whole thing is, oh, Bruins and Rangers, original six. But there's no, in the last goddamn 30 years, 40 years, there, there's no rivalry to speak of to me. Like, it just doesn't feel like a rivalry in, in any way. Um,
1: yeah, they only met in the playoffs once, which was, I believe it was the, um, it was 2013 um the last year torrello was here the yeah they when they they were i think it was that they were almost going to get swept and then i believe krider scored to prevent the sweep and then they they lost the next game i may be confusing a few things but yeah there's not much of a rivalry there but um for whatever reason It's like either the Bruins or the Flyers that that the NHL would say, okay, let's have these two teams play on Black Friday because if, you know, there's anything we know, that they're amazing rivals. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But it is is really interesting to think. The Bruins are a team that's fascinating to me uh, because not only because of what they've achieved, but also because the Rangers should look very closely at teams like Boston and teams like Tampa and teams like Toronto, for that matter. I think even you look even closer to a team like Toronto to kind of understand and learn from some of the missteps that have been made by those organizations. Like, you know, Marissa brought up John Moore, former Ranger John Moore, who when he signed that deal in Boston, everyone was like, what the fuck? Is, what the, why? And this is why you don't give guys term. Uh. <laughs> like especially if you're not sure because how long is boston going to be saddled with john moore a guy who they don't even want to have in the goddamn lineup um it's really interesting to look at teams like that and you look at it like boston is a team like they have david posternock they have patrice bergeron uh up until recently they had tory krug you know they have charlie mcavoy they have all these great brad marchand all these great pieces and the rangers are going to be a team that has pieces like that that are young and developing that could become players of that caliber. You should really look at teams like this closely and understand. I mean, what better lesson do we need than the Henrik Lundqvist era to understand you have a window to succeed and to reach your ultimate goal. And you really need to goddamn deliver. And that means you have to be incredibly mindful with what you do with your assets and how you invest. And you have to be very careful about the pieces you bring in and where the money goes and we already know the rangers have so much cap space tied up in in panarin and truba and there's going to be even so much more in zibanejad and can you even imagine what lafreniere is going to have to make and capo caco um and all those are important things to keep in mind that's why you should look at these teams and understand where the money goes and where it should go and i think like shana and others have done good work with looking at percentage of the cap and how much it really be reserved for goalies how much should be reserved for forwards and defenders and um those are lessons that i think are going to become really really relevant to the rangers right away um so it's fun to look at a team like boston it's also weird i mentioned this to marissa but it's weird that boston has the same issue as the rangers where like the left side of the defense is the side that's weak it's kind of goofy
1: yeah i mean they got jack johnson
0: yeah, they do have Jack Johnson. And probably going to move D'Angelo over to the left side. That'll be that'll be a thing. Could have just done that
1: earlier, but yeah. there's so um, many things.
0: There's yeah, that is it's a good summary of events, Tom. There are so many things. <laughs> All yeah, the that's where we are. small things. All the small things. Um, <laughs> was there anything else to cover? I mean, Marissa was a, was great. We ran through a bunch of stuff. I'm excited for um the nwhl i'm excited for hockey i hope everything's done right and it's done safe um yeah we should have asked her about ryan lindgren i think oh yeah that would have been
1: well there's always next time
0: always next time we'll have to remember next time for when we have marissa on but yeah that was uh I just wrote a, the report card on Ryan Lindgren for banter. And I found myself, it was very hard to criticize Ryan Lindgren. Like if you go into it understanding like, yeah, I know what he is. He's not going to be Adam Fox in the, in the neutral zone or offensive zone or with a puck on a stick in the defensive zone for that matter. What is he supposed to do? He's supposed to be quote unquote, shut down defense first defenseman. I thought he did very, very well. Um, It's still he's a guy who's interesting to me because he could just as easily be a part of the like the fringe core of the team moving forward, as he could be deemed a spare part and moved along um, in a trade at some point. Because I mean, he proved he's an NHL-caliber defenseman, and I mean, he looked really, really good playing with Adam Fox. But I think a lot of guys would have looked great playing with Adam Fox, and. And that also made it hard to kind of evaluate his season. But Ryan Lindgren is a guy who I think we don't talk about enough. I don't think Rangers fans talk about enough. For as much as of a shit show as the defense was last year, it could have been so much worse if Ryan Lindgren didn't play the way he did, I think.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that's why I'm interested to see this upcoming season. Um, if if they are playing together again, great. If not, then how does Lindgren react? But he's certainly come a long way, I feel, in terms yeah. of perception from when he was first acquired. But uh, we shall see.
0: I'm going to look closely at his uh, his usage on the PK because um, with Stall out of the picture, I would imagine he's just going to eat more of those short-handed. Obviously, you're going to have Truba out there for a whole shitload of time, but without stall there you know i know that the whole thing is oh jacques martin liked jack johnson the rangers like the idea of jack johnson on the penalty kill which if it's not enough to make you cry it should be but um like if there's a lot of potential for lindgren to see more ice time next season and to just be the guy who kind of puts defense first and lets adam fox do his goddamn thing at even strength which is what we all want to see so yeah, he's a really interesting player to, to keep a close eye on, um, at least in my, in my books. He's someone who, I didn't give enough credit for how good of a skater he is. I didn't give enough credit for the decisions he makes. I There are a lot of underlying things and numbers that are worth keeping a close eye on, like he gets hit a lot. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with his maybe indecisiveness with the puck um, and how he's just very meat and potatoes, but you can, have a really good NHL career as a meat and potatoes defense-first defender. It's just a question of the team recognizing how much to invest in a player like that, and also where he fits in the lineup. And right now, with the dearth of options the Rangers have for that left side, as exemplified by bringing in Jack Johnson, it's not a bad it's not a bad thing to have a Ryan Lindgren in the picture, which. I was pretty low on him when the Rangers acquired him, but uh, I've changed my tune, Tom. Change a tune.
1: That's good. I mean, as time goes on, you can reevaluate, which is normal. And I would say that I I hope he can continue to do what he's doing, and uh, we'll see.
0: We'll see. You know who else I would like to have is Ryan Graves. Remember Ryan Graves?
1: Oh, Yeah. I don't even want to get into the fact that <laughs> Ryan Graves and Neil Pionk were higher on the odds for winning the Norris Trophy out of Vegas than uh, Truba. But I—we're not ending the show on negativity. Well, why would sh- you
0: bring that up, Tom? We're going to end
1: the show on positivity in the hurts. best way. The best way I know that we can bring up positivity is talking about our great. Patron supporters A uh, Six Foot Gap, Amna Hoek, Aidan Gaspar, Armiel Kistner, Andre Chicago, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, Frank Benino, George Lipman, Igor Zavlaski, Jimmy Bushold, Jason Silberman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Prezepelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Roncillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olsen, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landholt, uh, Perino Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel-Seinberg, Sean, Steve Bjalbeck, Stink Flamin, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Tory from Manhattan and trevor kempner thank you uh everyone for your continued support um we greatly appreciate it is our special little
0: snowflake in this holiday season
1: it means a lot uh obviously we know times are tough those who've had like we say every week those who've had to drop off totally understand those who have to readjust their contributions we get it it's tough out there um we appreciate all of our listeners um, and you know we appreciate our, our Patreon supporters a little more. Um, we're going to play it by ear if we have a show next week. Obviously, next yeah. week um, is Kringle uh, time, Christmas. Um, to those who have been celebrating a Hanukkah, uh, hope you know you've had good time with your family friends. However, is you've been spending it. Um, but if we don't have a show next week. Um, you know, Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, we hope you enjoy it, you know, however you decide to. If you're not celebrating Christmas, that's cool too. You you know, whatever you're doing, hope you Be enjoy safe. the time. That's my yes.
0: Christmas wish for everyone.
1: Be safe. Stay Be healthy. safe. Stay healthy. Um, I appreciate and you, Mike,
0: as always. Take a candy cane and suck on it long enough to turn it into a lethal weapon. That's what I like to do. I got a little dark there. I'm just saying, if you if you find yourself in prison, ask for a candy cane, suck it to a point, and do what you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. No, Merry Christmas. Talk to you again soon. Bells ring.
0: Oh, you're losing. <laughs>